Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, July 13th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Akash Weekly with Greg Asuri featuring Rebecca Lau from Saga. Let's take a listen. Okay, guys. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us on today's Twitter Spaces. I'm Nadia Bajuelo, Community Events Manager here at Overclock Labs. I hope everyone in the room is having a great morning, afternoon, evening, wherever it is that you find yourself today. Before we jump into today's spaces, guys, I want to say, wow, you guys continue to be such a great community and you really, really showed us some love this past week. Across our socials, you've shared how you and those you follow are bullish on Akash, even in this bear market. You guys celebrated some high points and milestones with us. And Greg will have more on those high points for you today. You've also been sharing with us how much you appreciate the open communication through spaces, the Telegram AMAs, and other things that we've been putting out, putting together for you. Community is a two-way street. And like we've said before, this is how we build through the bear together. Thanks for the love, guys. You've really made our week. Please keep spreading the word about Akash and know that here we're excited to keep more coming for you guys. Can't wait to see what you guys do this week. Right now, you can start by joining in today's conversation. Get your questions in during today's AMA by requesting to speak. We'll then bring you up so you can ask your question. But once you're on stage, guys, we do ask that you please remain on mute and we'll call on you when it's your turn. Those of you someplace where you just can't unmute, we know how it is. So get your questions in by replying to the pinned tweet that you see right above my profile picture at the top of the spaces room. All right, guys, a few reminders and things to check out. Tomorrow at 8 a.m. Pacific, head over to Telegram for an AMA with Saga and 300 AKT will be going to the best questions. Check out akash.network slash community and find out how you can spread the word about Akash and help the project grow by becoming an Akash insider. Also, Proposal 23 passed and the Akash Accelerator is live. If you have an idea for a project on Akash, join our grant program. Learn more from Alani on our YouTube channel and while you're there, check out Alani's other vids. You guys have so far been loving the great info he's packed into a bite-sized format for you. Last time is really running out on the 10 cent Chia plot sale. Check it out here on Twitter or Telegram. Guys, the sale ends this week. With that, let's jump into what's going on today. First, we'll introduce you to and have a chat with today's special guest. Then Greg will take us through the latest updates on what's going on here at Akash, including some highs and milestones from the week. Greg will also have some news on the product front and what that means for Cosmos and our friends at Juno and Secret Foundation. 
He'll also walk us through some indicators of a healthy market and strengthening of a cash product market fit. He will also continue to share his thoughts on building through the bear with some powered by Akash highlights and why more are saying that they're bullish on Akash. Greg will also jump into some Cosmos news. We'll hear his thoughts on some of the biggest industry events across the board. And as always, we'll wrap things up with AMA time with Greg. With that, I'd love to introduce you to today's special guest and ask a few questions before handing it off to Greg. I had the pleasure of meeting our guest at one of our consensus events, and she is absolutely brilliant and a joy to have spoken to. Joining us today is Rebecca Liao, co-founder and CEO at Saga. She is also co-founder, advisor, and former COO at SkewChain, a currency agnostic blockchain for global trade and a World Economic Forum tech pioneer for 2019. She began her career as an international corporate attorney and now serves as an advisor to Sommelier Protocol, designing their DAO. Saga is a protocol for automated deployment of application-specific blockchains in gaming, entertainment, and DeFi. Through its platform, it aims to empower developers to build the next thousand chains in the multiverse. But Rebecca will tell us more about that. Welcome, Rebecca. How are you today? Hey, Nadia. I'm great. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. I'm good. Thank you. It's our pleasure. We're super excited. So Rebecca, I have a few questions for you before Greg takes it away. Um, Go for it, please. Awesome. First, can you give us an overview of Saga? What are you guys all about? Sure. Uh, so hi, everyone. Um, thanks so much for joining, whether it's morning your time, uh, which is the case for me, uh, or evening. Thanks so much for, for making the time today. Uh, so Saga is a protocol for the automated deployment of dedicated chains, which for those of you who are in the Akash community and in the wider Cosmos ecosystem, uh, probably sounds like a familiar set of words to you. Uh, so we are a chain to launch chains. Uh, there is a Saga mainnet, uh, which is Cosmos SDK based, and we use interchain security to stand up dedicated chains for the developers that are coming to Saga to build applications. So how the product works is a developer will launch a single tenant VM, um, which is uh, very simply a smart contract that's been deployed into a blockchain virtual machine um, onto its own chain. And they do that via command line. Uh, we're able to do that automated deployment, once again, using um, interchain security, but also our own set of uh, in-house tools that have been built for validator orchestration. And the purpose of allowing developers to get onto their own chain so easily is I think many people are uh, seeing the benefits of the modular and multi-chain thesis, which is that ultimately in order for crypto and Web3 applications to scale and really be up to the standards of user and developer experiences, we need to improve crypto infrastructure. We need to make it more scalable. We need to increase performance. Uh, so that means uh, higher throughput, less congestion. And we need to somehow lower uh, or get rid of inherent uh, transaction fees. And the only way you can really accomplish all of those goals is to get onto your own dedicated chain. Uh, however, uh, what we all know, having been in Cosmos for a while, is in order to get to your own dedicated chain, 
uh, it is typically an eight to 10 month engineering process, even for engineering teams that are highly experienced, uh, because not only do you have to get your own validator set, which even if you had the resources and connections to get those validators, um, it, you have to come up with a security model for them, an economic model, there's the coordination aspect. And then of course, afterwards, when your chain launches, you have to continue to maintain those validators. Uh, typically, that's done in a very manual uh, way, and that is, it's not efficient. Uh, so we completely understand why, even though people see the benefits of having their own chains, uh, they find it pretty much cost prohibitive to do so. So the whole purpose of Saga is to allow developers to get their own chains and their own block space as easily as they would deploy a smart contract onto a monolithic chain, um, such as an Ethereum or a Solana. Uh, Saga is focusing on gaming and entertainment to start with because we see the most urgent need for dedicated chains in those industries. DeFi will always be at the heart of crypto, and so our projects uh, will always have a place for DeFi. Uh, but having said that, gaming and entertainment is where we see that unless the performance of uh, crypto infrastructure significantly improves, the um, gaming that's taking place on Web3 uh, and, of course, the NFT projects are always going to see really significant constraints on what they can do for their users. And I think for those projects and developers, they're deeply feeling those constraints. And so we want to help them realize uh, the potential of the games and applications that they're building. Uh, yeah, so that's the long and short of what Saga is. All right. Thank you so much for that. So you've probably touched on this a little bit, but when looking at scalability, can you dive a little bit more into why Saga's multi-chain approach allows for that greater scalability? Sure. Um, so I would say uh, two things there. One is inherently because we are allowing people to stand up their own dedicated chains in an automated way, they get all the scalability benefits of having their own chain. Uh, so the transaction throughput should be orders of magnitude higher than would be the case if they were building on a monolithic chain. Um, in addition, uh, the gas fees are predictable. Uh, so we cannot guarantee that the gas fees are going to be zero or close to zero. That is a decision that is up to our developers and projects to make themselves. But having said that, the, the fees will be much more predictable because you're not sharing block space with a bunch of other applications that you have no control over. So that will greatly help um, with respect to scalability just on a technical level. Uh, but one thing that we've done with our token model allows for Saga to be used specifically as a scaling tool as opposed to a protocol to build a new project. Uh, so when you think about, okay, who launches on Saga, um, one of the clear use cases is that developer that's looking to build a new application. Uh, however, we can see that uh, getting onto uh, dedicated chains that offer more block space um, is also a great value proposition of this protocol. So what we did was we bifurcated the token structure. Uh, so typically how uh, token economics works for most protocols is gas fees are charged directly from the layer one. And it is a responsibility of the user to pay those gas fees. It's just part of uh, being in the crypto space. You just accept the fact that those fees are going to be paid directly from end users. We did not think that that was a great model 
A for enticing um, projects to use Saga as uh, a scalability infrastructure, um, but we also didn't think it was a great user experience for those end users. Uh, so what we've done is we have uh, taken the the token and hidden it in the back end. So the Saga token is used to keep our dedicated chains or what we call chainlets alive. Uh, the validators do need to be compensated for providing security for each of these chainlets. And so uh, Saga tokens will be used to um, to compensate those validators. And those fees are paid by the development teams, our partners. In other words, the direct party that is actually standing up these chainlets. On the front end, we don't charge gas fees directly to that end user. And so it is entirely up to the development team and that partner to decide whether they want to charge gas fees at all. Most of them probably do. And in terms of the uh, token that we ask the gas fees to be denominated in, it is entirely flexible. So any token that is IBC enabled or IBC compatible can be used to uh, pay for those gas fees on the front end. Typically what happens is the uh, developer would like to keep the native token of that particular virtual machine that they used um, for deploying their smart contract. Uh, so if it's an EVM, for instance, which is the kind of virtual machine that we'll be starting with, then the gas fees will probably be paid in ETH. Uh, if it's um, uh, an EVMOS-based VM, um, then the, uh, the tokens would be EVMOS tokens. If it's a Juno VM, Juno tokens, et cetera, you get the idea. Uh, but because of that, we are, in other words, compatible uh, with other layer one protocols. And so uh, when it comes time to scale, whether that means sharding off applications that are coming onto that L1 or even breaking off modules of that L1 um, to give them their own dedicated block space, we are able to allow for that on a technical level, but we're also able to allow for that on an economic level, which is perhaps as important, if not more important, uh, because building on Saga really means that you get to accrue value to your token in exactly the same way as you would if you were using your own backend. But what you've done now is you've essentially increased the block space for the demand for your token. Uh, so hopefully that helps with both technical scalability as well as expanding the use uh, of your token. Um, yeah, so that's how we think about scalability at Saga. It is one of the, the core values uh, that we abide by when we design out our product. Awesome. Thank you. So what does a multi-chain approach offer in terms of security, particularly in light of the still rather recent Luna collapse? Yeah, so I, I think as Luna was imploding, um, a bunch of people in the crypto community remarked on Twitter that a, the Terra chain was holding up remarkably well. And uh, on top of that, nothing else in Cosmos was affected in terms of chain performance. So obviously, uh, with how interrelated Luna was with uh, a bunch of token economies in Cosmos, uh, there were issues on that front. But with respect to securities um, of the individual chains, that was unaffected. And I think it was a really great demonstration of the Cosmos thesis that really the um, optimal kind of architecture for Web3 infrastructure 
which we've been building over the last few years, is the ecosystem of sovereign chains. Because when you have uh, chains that are not directly connected to one another, they communicate through an interoperability protocol like IBC, then you have fault isolation. So with respect to Terra, when it was imploding, um, should anything have happened on that particular chain, uh, because the, the value of the token was nosediving so precipitously, it would not affect the security models of other chains. Uh, and so you saw that uh, in terms of just the base um, functionality of the, the Cosmos chains that were somehow uh, connected to, to Luna or doing business using uh, Lunar UST, that was unaffected. Um, the other thing I'll mention is that um, if Terra had been built, if the Terra project had been built on a more monolithic chain, I don't think you could have said all those things. I don't think there would have been fault isolation. I mean, you saw earlier in the summer that when an NFT collection, for example, drops on Ethereum or on Solana, it either halts the chain uh, in the case of Solana or um, in the case of Ethereum, something happens um, to, to the gas fees such that the functioning of that particular chain is significantly compromised. Uh, again, in the, um, the actual Terra case, because it was built on Cosmos, we did not see that happen. Not only the, did the chain hold up remarkably well to the volume of transactions that was happening using Luna and UST, um, nothing else in Cosmos was affected from a technical standpoint. Great. Um... So I'd like to ask you a little bit about the gaming space. We have um, Passage 3D and Strange Clan powered by Akash in that space. And you guys have mentioned a focus on gaming and entertainment. And you touched a little bit on that during your overview. Um, it's such an exciting space. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Passage and Strange Clan are uh, really great friends of Saga. We had them earlier. Uh, this year on a Twitter space and Lex, who is the the really brilliant founder of Passage 3D, uh, was walking us through his vision for what Web3 Gaming would look like. And um, let me talk a little bit about that, just Web3 Gaming in general, and then I'll talk about how we're um, catering to it at Saga. Of course. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, Web3 Gaming um, is attractive for many, many reasons, um, not just because games are inherently fun. Uh, and with the rise of NFTs and the use of NFTs as in-game assets, then all of a sudden we introduce a lot of the tried and true uh, functionalities of crypto into gaming. Uh, so using NFTs as a tradable asset or um, being able to do DeFi on NFT assets uh, that is all entering into gaming and I think really enhancing the gaming experience in many ways. However, um, I, I think there is still a space that I'm figuring out right now. And Passage 3D is doing a really great job of this, uh, among many other games. But um, the, the thing that the gaming industry is figuring out is, okay, games at the end of the day, yes, they, they are applications with business uh, purposes. So in other words, if you play a game, um, you will probably uh, have to either look at ads or play for a long time, start to um, use actual money uh, to get further into the game. 
some sort of way in which the people who develop the game will reap back their investment for having put that game out there in the market. And um, I think what Web3 Gaming is grappling with right now is how do we effectively engage in that monetization opportunity, but at the same time, um, make sure that the game is fun and entertaining to engage with. Because at the end of the day, most people do play games because they enjoy playing them. They're entertainment. Uh, in terms of playing games to actually earn money, um, that, that is an aspect that is becoming more and more prominent the Web3 and crypto. But at the end of the day, the heart of the gaming experience is really to have fun. Uh, and so what does that mean to, to have fun in a Web3 game? I think what it's coming down to when you start to look at all the different aspects and benefits of Web3 is it means owning your piece of the game and certainly owning what you have contributed to the game. So if you have played a game for a long time, and you become attached to it, I think it would be quite disappointing if that game studio, for instance, decided to pull the plug on that game. Um, or if you have been a loyal player of multiple games within a certain gaming ecosystem, you would like to have that loyalty rewarded by moving your assets between these different games. Uh, in a centralized gaming industry, those things are not as possible. Uh, because ultimately the games uh, and all of your gameplay is owned by that entity that launched the game. But in Web3, with decentralized ownership, you have the possibility now of owning your piece of the game, owning your own gameplay. And frankly, because you have ownership, you're now able to also contribute to that gameplay. So in many ways, it is um, your ability to own your own entertainment, to own your own happiness, uh, to engage in Web3 gaming. Now, it's a big vision. And how do we move towards realizing it? I think what uh, games are, are discovering is getting a game completely on chain is probably going to severely limit the entertainment value of that game because it's going to be slow. We will probably never, I mean, Greg probably has an opinion on this as well. Uh, we, but we will probably never reach the kind of throughput that um, a centralized system will be able to reach. So a first-person shooter game on crypto, for instance, is probably not entirely feasible. Uh, so I, I think that was the first iteration of game that was attempted in Web3. Now we're getting to newer iterations where a limited amount of game activity is going to be on-chain. So for example, the minting of NFTs or the transfer of NFTs is on-chain. Everything else is not, um, which allows for that nice combination of access to Web3 infrastructure uh, and the benefits of Web3 gaming, but not uh, significantly reducing the experience of playing that particular game. Now, you would think that we're done there, but we're, we're actually not um, because it's still the case that uh, gameplay, even if you have limited on-chain interactions, is significantly higher than any other use case in crypto. Uh, it demands way more of infrastructure. And so if we are looking at a category of applications in Web3 that require incredibly high throughput, um, limited to no congestion and control, over the um, level of gas fees, then uh, you're, you're looking at um, a use case that really requires its own dedicated chain. 
Uh, and that's why we've decided to focus on gaming and entertainment. That's why we're seeing demand uh, from gaming and entertainment entities to, um, to get into a multi-chain infrastructure in which they have their own dedicated block space. Uh, the other piece of this is the interoperability piece. Uh, so what's interesting is I, I think games and um, uh, and NFT collections or NFT platforms are realizing that uh, until you grow to a certain scale, let's say, uh, it's not that enticing for a user to stay within a very confined ecosystem. You want to be part of an interconnected web to uh, really get those network effects and also to, to really build sort of a thriving uh, ecosystem in which a lot of different gaming and entertainment assets can be minted and transferred freely. For that, you need interoperability. And that is true even if you are building on a monolithic chain. Uh, if you want to get out of the Solana ecosystem, for instance, use your NFTs elsewhere, or if you want to um, do that for your ETH NFT assets um, or any ETH-based games, uh, it's it's not easy to do that right now. It's all based on some form of bridging. If it is available, most of the time it's not. Versus in Cosmos, if you are trying to build a universe uh, for gaming and entertainment, then you can definitely see an architecture in which each of these applications is going to be on its own dedicated chain, but the chains talk to one another. And so you get easy interoperability between your different gaming and entertainment properties uh, and a lot of the benefits that you wanted to offer to your players or your users with respect to interoperability is easily achieved. Um, so that's why we've decided to focus on the space. I mean, it's why we think it's it's incredibly exciting for crypto uh, and, and Web3 in general and, and why we think the multi-chain infrastructure is such a great fit um, for what the space is trying to accomplish. Awesome, thanks. Um, so Greg, before we ask um, Rebecca our last question, I wanted um, to ask you a question and we'll turn it around and see what Rebecca thinks. So Greg, I'm sure there are people in the Saga community that don't know about Akash. What synergies do you see there and why should they check out Akash? Sure. Hey, uh, hey, Maria, thank you so much. And Rebecca, this is phenomenal. One of the things that excites me about Saga is the scalability through flexibility, right? So, uh, you know, in, in Cosmos, we have the sovereign chain uh, maximalism to a certain degree where, you know, we believe scalability comes through sovereignty, which is absolutely true, but uh, we undermine the the complexity uh, that you know one has to incur in order to get to scalability. So, what Saga is solving is like, look, you have this flexibility of a uh, in a monolithic or a shared state chain, uh, the, uh, you know that allows you to launch very quickly. And once you scale, once you need to scale, come to sovereignty. Uh, that's really where I think Akash really uh, helps in uh, in terms of being able to provide the computation power. Uh, to power the chainlets, right? So, um, you know, Akash does it in a sovereign and a flexible way, uh, both, uh, and the cost is amazingly optimized for market-driven pricing, right? So I think, and on top of the composability Akash provides, uh, you know, one doesn't need a separate account uh, on a Amazon, uh, you know, platform or a Google platform you can directly use your Saga-based uh, uh, 
tokens to to deploy and pay for. So user communities don't need to go out of their existing community in order to use computing, right? So with interchain accounts, we have hands hypercomposability uh, for for computation. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of opportunities for us to work with. But immediately, the the area I see is the just chainlet hosting, uh, and uh, from architecturally, I think uh, they also have a very interesting machining model, where uh, each execution is like shuttered off uh, its own sort of like computation space. That's really where Apache can shine, and as well. So there are a lot of lots of opportunities I see how Apache and Saga will work together in the future. Awesome, Rebecca. I'd like to ask you the same question. So. Um, I'm sure that we have people here in the Akash community who may not have been familiar with Saga until today. What synergies do you see and why should they go take a look at Saga? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Greg, I mean, thanks very much for that. And I, I completely echo everything that you said. In terms of, in the near term, how Saga and Akash work together, it absolutely is in providing that computing power for our chainlets. Uh, so the way that we have architected the system, and Greg alluded to this, uh, we are looking at um, a significant amount of validator orchestration that uh, is going to be preoccupied with balancing the load um, between each of the chainlets. So our tagline is the next thousand chains in the multiverse. And I think if you were to ask any validator now, would you have the capacity to validate thousands of chains uh, without much of a heads up. So uh, for a developer to deploy a chainlet, a dedicated chain onto Saga, all they have to do is pay the fee um, for that particular block space. And that fee is meant to be as low as possible. So we are looking to get block space to a place where it's pretty much commoditized. Uh, and that means that the barrier to entry for getting your own chain is, is incredibly low, but that in turn puts a lot of burden on our validators. And certainly, uh, as more of these chainlets get stood up and uh, the transaction activity on those chainlets increases, then um, that load balancing is going to um, uh, kick into to much higher gear. And that's where we see a lot of synergies with Akash. Uh, so we would like our validators to have access to that uh, computing power without them really having to think about it. Uh, so it's something that Saga would like to provide for our validators uh, just to make the job of providing security for these chainlets a lot easier. Uh, so that is, is one key area in which we are starting to to work together right away. Um, but there, there are so many other things um, that we will be doing down the line. Greg mentioned composability and interchain accounts. I mean, that that's a big part of it as well. Uh, so the Saga mainnet and the chainlets communicate with one another via IBC. We have to keep in mind that these are, um, it, at the end of the day, separate chains. Uh, and so even within our own system, uh, we use IBC, uh, which hopefully means that for our uh, applications and developers when it's uh, their time to, to use IBC to communicate between their chainlets, uh, that it's been battle tested um, because uh, we have to use it for our own system after all. Uh, however, uh, I think the entertain accounts piece is 
um, the the incredibly exciting next iteration of that. Uh, and certainly when we start thinking about um, making sure that composability is maintained within the Saga ecosystem, but also to uh, any chains that are outside of Saga and even outside of Cosmos, uh, that we find ways to to maintain that composability. And that's that is a project that will take longer, um, but we're really excited to tackle that with Akash as well. Thanks so much, Rebecca. Guys, we're going to hear more from Rebecca with Greg um, and during the AMA. Um, with us here today, as you know, is Greg, CEO here at Overclock Labs. You guys know him, so I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to him. Take it away, Greg. Thanks, Nadia. Hello, everybody. It's been uh, quite the week at uh, Akash. Uh, this is our fifth, uh, I think, fifth, fifth consecutive uh, you know, uh, weekly. So really excited to keep this going. Uh, we had a few highs this week. Uh, I think it was obvious the AKT uh, reached a all-time high at uh, um, at 1,000 AKT daily spend. That's the first time we're seeing that, uh, that high. So uh, pretty exciting. We also reached the cumulative uh, uh, AKT at 50,000. AKT. So um, definitely AKT is on the rise. The demand for AKT is on the rise, uh, which is really good to see uh, in terms of utility. Um, the uh, very exciting part is actual resource consumption. Um, so we've reached uh, over uh, 10 terabyte uh, active memory leased, right? So uh, memory being the most expensive uh, scarce resource on the network, this is a particularly interesting metric. Um, because it's the first time we've, we've, we've you know, we've, we've broken the uh, 10, uh, uh, 10 gigabyte or, or 10 terabyte uh, line actively. And this is coming literally after a year of launch. So it's very exciting. Um, and uh, similarly with, uh, with storage, we've reached, you know, about 77 um, terabytes of active storage. And this is ephemeral storage. So pretty interesting as well. On top of that, we've gotten our highest uh, active providers uh, ever, about over 50 active providers right now on Akash, which is exciting. I think a lot of that is because of the work uh, Praetor has been doing, so uh, kudos to them. Um, moving on, uh, the uh, very, uh, another really cool like metric in terms of uh, health of the network, right? So we have the all-time highs, they're pretty exciting. Uh, we all know ice always come down and, and you know, they, they adjust with volatility. But a, a key uh, observation is how healthy the market is, right? So what that means is for a marketplace, uh, what matters is uh, liquidity of the marketplace. That means how many goods have uh, come to the market and how many goods have cleared the market, right? So if I'm, if I'm an Apple vendor, you know, if I bring 10 apples, end of the day, I want to walk away with zero apples. Right. So we want to sell those 10 apples. And and similarly on the on, if I want to buy apples and go to a market, I want to be I should be able to buy all the apples. So my fill rate should be 100 percent That's the ideal sort of like uh, scenario for a marketplace. With Akash, we saw a significantly high usage and fill rate and provided liquidity as well as the tenant liquidity. So with uh, provider liquidity, that means how much of um, you know how much of goods have been cleared, we saw about close to like 29, 30% uh, uh, of provider liquidity just for our memory, uh, which is 
fairly high, you know, uh, considering, you know, considering, um, you know, if you had to relate to other sort of like uh, players uh, in the market where you see, see Filecoin, uh, Filecoin has storage, their liquidity is about 0.7%. Right. So just to give you a comparison, at 30%, uh, uh, you know, usage rate is a very, very uh, indication of a very healthy market now that attracts other providers to come on to the market and sell. I think a lot of the active provider increase has to be attributed with this sort of like utilization rate. So uh, I'm very uh, happy with this, uh, with this uh, high usage rate. And... Um, and a lot of the usage, I believe, came from uh, Chia Miners. So Chia Miners has this. Uh, discovering Akash is an amazing way uh, to plot mines, uh, so to, to mine plots. And uh, you can do that for 10 cents compared to 40 cents on the cloud. And, uh, you know, this is going to be continuously cheaper as we get more providers onto the network. Uh, it becomes a cycle of, like, demand supply. And... Um, um, and, uh, you know, like we talked before, like in a bear market, what matters is, is price for, for proof of work because proof of work is uh, abstract in computation, right? So uh, more and more proof of work miners discover Akash. That's going to be beneficial to them as well as to us. But And eventually the price will, will even out. But the point is the proof of mining is a amazing a way to add efficiency to, to marketplaces and uh, Akash's open model is a testament uh, to this uh, to this thesis. And uh, from a product standpoint, we hit a milestone with uh, interchain accounts. Interchain accounts is officially called complete. We are currently in QA and, and refactor stage. So we should see that push to the master branch and for a review very soon. Uh, with interchain accounts, it's going to open up a whole new a dimension of interoperability with Cosmos chains. Uh, one of the first use cases we're going to see is with Juno Network, uh, where uh, where DAOs will start using Akash a lot more uh, aggressively than than currently being used. Why? Because Juno uh, DAO DAO is going to incorporate uh, Akash directly to the platform, where a DAO could provision data services that need like matrix messaging for like Slack like communication or discourse forums where you can discourse, we can discuss like governance and whatnot uh, directly from the platform with a single click. And, you know, that manages all the fault tolerance and, and, and scheduling and whatnot. So use, and, and, and more importantly, pay using Juno tokens, not AKT and control using a Juno account, right? And that's, that's the key here. Uh, a Juno user can deploy onto Akash without even realizing they're, they're deploying on Akash. And that sort of like uh, usability is something that we have never experienced, uh, be it in, in centralized world or in decentralized world. This is the Cosmos unique uh, use case. And these are the kind of use cases that really highlights the power of Cosmos community to the outside world, right? And uh, on top of that, we're, what we're trying to achieve is an amazing user experience uh, without even um, through composability. And these are some of the early use cases we're going to start seeing uh, that gives you that that level of user experience that crypto has been promising but hasn't quite delivered with with, with ETH being the primary driver. But now Cosmos is taking the driver's seat and use cases like this are going to get highlighted. So I'm very, very excited uh, for, for interchain accounts. And moving to other uh, use cases with Secret Network, for example, right? Secret, uh, you know, it's good friends of ours and they've been uh, prophesizing on how to do secret deployments, right? 
um, ownerless deployments, I call it. So where you don't necessarily need to know who the owner is, but Akash being a pseudonymous system, um, the secret uh, layer on front of the Akash network, you can uh, you know, anonymize further the, uh, the, the uh, controllers of the, uh, the, uh, the, the data set, right? So uh, that's another use case nobody has uh, sort of like delivered on. And the real promise of like privacy on, on the internet um, to the cloud, I think uh, it's going to be obvious, right? So, so uh, two interesting use cases that I'm really excited about for, for Intergen accounts uh, very soon on Akash. And uh, I think next week we'll have uh, our, our product again to go deeper into the uh, IP marketplace and IP market uh, or IP leases, right? So uh, a big use case for IP leases is uh, being able to support uh, chains that have dedicated ports like Solana or Bitcoin, where they use ports as a service discovery mechanism. So they need fixed ports. And for fixed ports to function, you need a dedicated IP address. And uh, you know, IP address, as we all know, is not exactly the easiest thing to get on the internet. But IP addresses being available on decentralized cloud is going to open up new, new set of use cases. Uh, so with every feature we launch, we're unlocking new capabilities that unlock new uh, new uh, chains or new ecosystem to use Akash, and it's just going to get better and better and better. So we're moving, spear, we're spearheading that with with with, uh, with full force. And uh, uh, Neil will be here next week to tell you on the exact launch launch dates and where we are. We have code completed right now in QA, uh, so we should be out very very soon. Uh, we are starting to see quite a bit of like um, uh, powered by Akash uh, activity, right? So we're seeing. And this is the best thing. We want people, a big big part, big problem with Akash adoption is away. Right? A lot of people just don't know there is something like Akash. And 99% of the time when people find out about Akash, they get really excited. Just from like a pricing standpoint to the decentralization nature to the whole experience of a non-custodial ownership, right? So the that very element has to be discovered. And and the best uh, weapon we have is the logos that we have on that people put on the website to show support to Akash, right? So again, Akash is a fully open source software. Uh, you know, the company Overclock Labs makes no money on Akash, right? So we built the software, we gave it out for free, and you know, we're limited in terms of how much marketing we can do with the resources at hand. So the best marketing always should come from our community. And by placing these logos, you're actually helping us out a lot. So if you are hosting a website on Akash, please uh, place this logo and it's getting discovered. Our, our friends at Elon Trades uh, recently talked about how he's seeing Akash, powered by Akash logo everywhere, right? So that's a great indication that people love us and, 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 and you know, people want to spread the word. So please, uh, Encourage your friends uh, and shout out to IBC NFTs. Uh, they recently launched Akash and, and and you know like put their put their logo. So really, it helps a lot. So uh, thank you so much, guys. And um, let's see what we got. Um, yeah, I mean, again, this is another obvious, right? So people are starting to realize, like, look, the inflation. Akash inflation is, you know, we clamped it down because of the current bear market. But even with current inflation, at a 400 AKT, staking will get you a free server every month, right? So now we're starting to see this interesting, uh, interesting like economics where you can get free compute just by staking Akash, right? And this is really tapping into a little bit of like how you can use uh, some of the primitives that we learned in the in the decentralized uh, uh, finance space and applying that to Akash, right? So 
quite a lot of uh, you know activity. Uh, a lot of the ecosystem is playing out, and and uh, talking about ecosystem, I, I built a page um, uh, to deploy on Akash uh, to to really demonstrate how uh, what different applications are using Akash and pages available at ecosystem Akash on network. Again, this again is hosted on Akash, but if you look at the open source. Uh, repository, there's a small guide I wrote on how to simply take, uh, go from zero to one on a Next.js app to Akash. Uh, it's still incomplete, but there are some gold, golden nuggets there. Uh, one good one is how you can essentially build a Docker image without creating a Docker file. I think a lot of folks have been, you know, and creating a Docker image uh, from scratch is very daunting for a lot of folks because you're required to know uh, shell scripting, package management, and whatnot. So my guide actually gives you an ability to not, uh, so, the, so that you don't need to create a Docker file. You can directly use a command to build a Docker image and use a Docker image uh, in your Akash SDL. I've also given you examples on how to create a SDL. So I'm, I'm, the goal is to really make it as simple as possible. Eventually, these, these, uh, this Next.js app, uh, the ecosystem app I built, will have a bindings for uh, uh, you know GitHub Actions, so you can actually get push in, in your app directly updates. So that's uh, that pretty much sums up what we got uh, for for the past week. And uh, you know, as promised, we're going to continue doing this. And now I'll be open to take on any questions you may have. Well, people are figuring out if they'd like to raise their hand and join the conversation and ask a question. Um, we had one for Rebecca. Um, Rebecca, uh, Web3 can be a bit of an intimidating space at first, but it does continue to evolve and diversify. Um, is there any way that somebody who's non-technical or teams that are non-technical can get involved in Saga? Yes, absolutely. Nadia, that's a great question. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, Saga, we... When we talk about what it is we do and what the product does, uh, we couch it in terms that are quite familiar to those who have been in crypto and Web3 for a little while um, because we, we're aiming towards those developers. Uh, we're aiming towards those established projects that are looking to scale. Um, but the whole purpose of the project um, at, at a much higher level is to open up Web3. Uh, to to the wider digital world. Uh, Web3 is about being able to control your digital life and set your own terms for it. Uh, and to the extent that we can open up that vision to more and more participants and users, um, we will have done our job. So uh, Nadia, to answer your question, absolutely. If you are not technical, so in other words, you're not a developer yourself or you're not as familiar with technical concepts, what I would encourage you to do is, um, first and foremost, to, to learn more about Web3 and the way that you, you really start engaging with it um, is through uh, two, two main things. So a lot of people try to go soup to nuts. They try to learn about blockchain architecture. Um, how does it actually work? And then they start to get to know some of the projects in the space. And that, that is a longer road. And I applaud anyone uh, who goes through that much more rigorous journey. But uh, if you're looking to just understand, you know, what is this world about? What is the vocabulary that people in Web3 use to communicate with one another? Honestly, going to some of our top news sources uh, and going through the, the articles that they post daily about crypto news, what's happening in the world of Web3 is a great place to start. Uh, and also um, 
figuring out which accounts to follow on uh, social media. So I, I think people would be surprised to know just how much the crypto and web3 communities really rely on Twitter to disperse information um, to the broader community, but really to just communicate with one another. Uh, I think most in, in sort of the web2 or non-web3 worlds, when they look at the, the number of followers, for instance, um, for a bunch of these crypto projects and people uh, who are prominently building in crypto, they're quite surprised uh, at the numbers. You know, why is it that we're all such avid followers of Twitter? So we won't get into those reasons today, um, but suffice to say that uh, for um, people who are looking to, to find out, you know, what's actually happening um, in this space, uh, following some key accounts on Twitter would be really helpful there. And obviously, I, I don't need to tell anyone on this call about that, you're here, you follow Akash, and uh, that already um, puts you on a different plane. Uh, but for, for those who are just coming into this space, I, I would recommend looking at those sources. And then for Saga in particular, so we have a lot of different social channels uh, where we interact with our community members. So obviously our Twitter, uh, which is um, Saga XYZ. Uh, our Discord um, is a great place for our community to chat with one another. More often than not, uh, we are um, asking developers and validators, people who are more technical, to um, get into sort of their, their own space and their own channel in which to ask the more technical questions or discuss the more technical topics. Uh, in terms of what's shared with the broader community, we want to highlight the projects that are working with Saga. And so we encourage these teams um, to talk about the, the actual application. What is the functionality of it? Whether it's doing something in refi um, with recycling plastics uh, and creating an economy for that, or maybe you're launching a really cool NFT collection, or you've got a really great game coming out. Um, we encourage our, our developers to talk uh, to the community about what it is they're doing uh, as though they were talking to future users of their applications. Uh, so really encourage you to, to be in our Discord as well. Uh, the invite link is in the bio for our Twitter. Um, there's also an invite link for our Telegram. Our Telegram is pretty much all non-technical discussions. Sometimes technical questions will come up, but for the most part, it is community members talking to one another about uh, the use cases for Saga, would this particular partnership make sense or that particular project, things like that. And honestly, um, oftentimes, uh, a lot of the chatter that happens in these communities is, is just socializing. And it's one of the things where people who are coming from um, outside of Web3 uh, are just struck by um, at the outset, which is uh, how much uh, Web3 communities really do genuinely connect with one another um, virtually. Uh, which is which is awesome. We also have uh, a medium where we post all of the latest news, uh, some of the more key information about initiatives that we have is also posted on medium. Our saga innovator program is open right now. Uh, the um, uh, high level information for that is available on our medium. Um, we can we can retweet that post out later uh, so people have that information. Um, we do have a mirror as well. It is not um, uh, not as comprehensive, let's just say, as our medium. Uh, so if you're looking to just read up on Saga, I think our medium is is a great place to go. Uh, we obviously have our website, which has our light paper, and that does a deeper dive into the protocol, the token economics, why it is that we chose this particular space in this market. 
Uh, and I, I, I think that that probably is, is a lot to go through already in terms of content. Um, but there are several ways in which people who are not technical can get involved. And what we'll do soon, um, because we're going to launch Alphanet in a couple months, is we're going to start really opening up our community um, to, to being directly involved in the project. Uh, so, so far, the Saga team has been heads down building this thing out. All of the marketing collateral, all of the community activities really originate from us. Um, but what we hope to do soon is to light up community members uh, to, to start generating uh, content, spaces, events, et cetera, of their own. Um, it's, it's all part of being uh, in the Saga ecosystem at the end of the day. Um, but I, I think once we put Alphanet out there, there'll be something to anchor to uh, that our community will be able to engage with. So lots of opportunities for people who are not technical. I would get into our social channels to start with and um, yeah, start talking to your fellow Saganauts. We're a very friendly bunch and very open uh, and just always happy to, to chat. I, I think people in our community can attest. You can talk to us all hours of the day. Uh, we're, just, we're always eager to, to hear from them um, and, and just hear what they're thinking. Thanks, Rebecca. That's awesome advice. Really good tips. Guys, make sure you check out Saga. Make sure you get involved. Show some love. Um, and uh, you've got homework. <laughs> um, Greg, do you have anything you, uh, you'd like to add? I do think we have um, one question here from Punzi. Yeah, I mean, to, you know, to mirror Rebecca's uh, you know, thoughts, I mean, I think like, Yes, you're a non-developer. There are lots of lots of ways to do it. Uh, and if you're a content creator, if you can, you know, uh, create content infographic, uh, create your own understanding to reach broader audience of the tech. There's a lot of opportunity there. Um, you know, and uh, just simply, you know, or just amplifying our voices. Right? Like, you know, all good. Akash is very. Like it's known to a certain degree in the Cosmos ecosystem, less so in the Ethereum ecosystem and broader. I think just you know, uh, giving your opinions uh, when you see an opportunity in these ecosystems or uh, helps uh, helps with awareness. Uh, that in turn helps with usage, right? So anything you can, and also Akash has a amazing program called Insider. Uh, Akash Network. Uh, go to a website. There's go to a community. You can be able to get to that page go do sign up uh, if you have any, any interest there and uh, our community members will reach out to you and you know walk you through what you can do and how you can contribute uh so that if you're a non-developer that's also a good good way to get involved um and i, I did see some uh, questions uh, um that that came through twitter comments right uh, one question was like, I see all your customers are inside crypto. Can you speak privately about retail at scale uh, or incentives or ambassadors? So I, you know, I, I don't need to speak privately. I think I was very open about like how our adoption and what our adoption plan and strategy is. Initially, we decided to go crypto native because it, uh, so Akash is a very complex um, product in itself. On top of that, it's non-custodial, right? And it requires tokens. So it, demands kind of a behavioral change that is daunting for a web two developer uh, or a non-crypto person. So uh, in order to offset that uh, that friction, we decided to choose crypto developers or 
you know, crypto native folks in the beginning, more so Cosmos native folks, right? Even Ethereum folks um, moving out of Ethereum ecosystem is is uh, a lot of friction. So we went to our initial ecosystem first because that's the easiest um, uh, way to get users and takes the least amount of work. So we can get to our number one goal, which is product market fit, and which we have achieved product market fit, and, and our PMF gets to get stronger uh, as we see more more efficiency in the marketplace, right? So as this gets better and better, our next goal is to go to the broader ecosystem, which is the Web3 and Ethereum ecosystem, right? So now the fact that there's quite a lot of activity that's moving away from Ethereum to Cosmos is a great opportunity for us to reach this broader Ethereum audience, right? And after that, we'll be able to go to more niche use cases with, with, uh, with uh, computational heavy workloads uh, when we have GPUs. Things like machine learning, things like heavy games uh, that require a lot of GPUs, uh, you know, where we have a, a market advantage just from a cost perspective that's very attractive to the users. Uh, so every ecosystem we, we, we go to, we ensure our, our USP, our unique selling pro, you know, point is absolutely clear and absolutely hits the nail in its head. So uh, when we offer GPUs, we're going with a, an amazing uh, you know, value proposition, which is cost savings instantly, right? So after that, uh, the goal is to attract you know, providers and you know, maintain, you know, while we're offering these, these, uh, these, these, these advantages, maintain the cost and maintain the efficiency, maintain the provider profitability so that we can have the provider profitability which attracts more providers in time, right? So we're seeing right with the recent activity we have about 50 providers. So you can imagine a world where we're gonna have 5,000 providers, that means 5,000 different locations, right? Not very, not very uh, far away. So, I mean, that opens up high performance computing. Right, so that's something the current cloud cannot offer. So now we start getting into this territory of like, hey, computationally heavy workloads, along with high performance computing that is globally distributed, can be delivered where applications on the on this network can be delivered within a very low network latency. And this is a very unique Akash only offering, right? So this is impossible on the cloud. So then we can take these unique offerings and go to the Web2 market, right? But if you start hitting, hitting Web2 market from now on, then you, <laughs> then you have to, number one, fight behavioral change. Number two, fight the heavy competition from amazing products like Netlify and Vercells and all these beautiful products that are done, uh, you know, that have been around for a while, but they've really optimized Web2 users, right? So that's why you can't uh, jump, the, jump the ship here. So we got to... We got to stay diligent and we got to stay stick to the plan um, by by offering a value proposition which is very unique to the ecosystem and also very uh, very compelling to the ecosystem we approach. So hope that answers your question. And we'll squeeze in one last question from Punzi, who's been waiting so patiently. Thank you, Punzi. Go ahead. Hey Greg, hey Nadia, hey Rebecca. So I'm gonna be quick. <laughs> We know um, that uh, Strange Plan leverages uh, CPU and later on GPU when it's available from Akash. But you mentioned a bit, uh, Rebecca, about uh, Strange Plan and Passage. And I was wondering if you could talk a bit about that, what you talked with Lex, if I can extract some alpha from a, a future trifecta like Sagash clan or something. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, you're, you're already coming up with celebrity names for us, which we really appreciate again, um, getting, getting back to sort of the, the content marketing geniuses of our community. So, so thank you, um, Lindsay, for the question. I, uh, I, you know, I think that, um, Flex and Passage were really ahead of its time uh, in, in terms of thinking about what would their particular game and gaming platform require for growth. And I think the reason why they chose to partner with Akash so early on is that they recognized, okay, in order for this game uh, and the games that will be stood up on Passage to not be constrained by the infrastructure limits, then we we need to think cutting edge. Uh, and that's why they um, went to Akash originally and why they have really flourished there. Uh, so what I mean by that is is this. So uh, games, uh, and I recognize we're running out of time, so thank you guys, bear with me. Uh, games um, are, at the end of the day, partially entertainment. And so gaming studios and game creators, they think about how to uh, create a fun and entertaining and um, hopefully you know, deeply engaging borderline addictive experience with their games. Um, but uh, they're also thinking very deeply about the business model of the game. So is it free to play, for instance, in which case uh, it, it is free to play this game. However, you start to pay in other ways. So if you want to move forward in the game in a faster way, if you want to buy certain assets for gameplay, uh, if you are okay looking at ads popping up during your game. Um, those are different ways in which you can monetize a game that is essentially free to play. Or you can ask people to actually pay for the game that they're playing. Um, there's play to earn, famously in our space uh, with Axie Infinity. Uh, so there, there are different models. And I think that um, when Web3 infrastructure was particularly limited in what it can do um, for on-chain activity, then the business models for the games were also uh, quite limited. And what Passage is doing is it is trying to free itself as much as possible from these constraints so that uh, the Passage team, as well as the game devs that are building new experiences on Passage, would be able to really focus more on the creative aspect of putting these games together as opposed to thinking, okay, how do I optimize for these you know, pretty large constraints um, for building on crypto? Uh, so um, with respect to Passage, uh, there, there are a few models that we have discussed with them. Um, I, I don't want to reveal too much yet um, because Passage themselves um, are, are gearing up for a very big launch. And uh, a lot of these discussions are ongoing, but suffice to say that what we're doing with them is broadly applicable to what we're doing with a lot of gaming projects, whether they are native to Web3, whether they are Web2 studios that are coming into Web3, uh, whether they're individual projects. And that is to allow for um, both platforms and individual games on those platforms to come to Saga uh, to stand up chainlets for those particular games. And again, that should significantly increase the quality of the gameplay, certainly the performance of the game, and ultimately be a huge cost savings to your users um, for playing that particular game. Uh, so you can see why uh, Saga and Akash are, are so close, even this early on, is we believe in a lot of the same values and delivering on a lot of the same value propositions to our end users. And uh, remarkably, we've also both 
uh, reflected those values in the technology that we're building. Uh, and so the, the ultimate goal is to open up Web3 uh, and allow for greater accessibility in the space to so many more developers, their projects, and ultimately their end users. And we're, just, we're so excited to be working with the, the genius team at Akash on this wider mission. And it's, it's just been an absolute pleasure working with them as people. Thanks, Thanks for Yeah, to like, I mean, to, to reiterate Rebecca's, uh, you know, thoughts here, right? So like, I think Passage would be great to launch on, you know, whatever chain they choose to launch on, I believe that they did Juno, but then as they want to scale up, uh, Saga would be a great way to have, get the sovereignty and uh, Akash would be a great way, you know, uh, to get the get the GPU and the CPU power, the off-chain power they need, right? So you're going to see this 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 kind of a pattern, I think, like uh, launch on a chain that gives you security easily, um, and uh, you know, then then scale it up, and then you know, while you, for your off-chain needs, use uh, use Akash and the other sort of like. Uh, infrastructure projects for storage or not. So uh, I think the future is interchain, right? So interchain, the, the idea of an interchain future is like, instead of you uh, protocol building everything you need, uh, you can borrow or you can use other protocols for what they specialize in uh, while you can focus on on your application, your community. So uh, this is going to be a pattern uh, we're going to see and really excited for this future. Thanks, guys. With that, um, a big thanks to Rebecca and Greg for joining us on Spaces today. Guys, show them some emoji love. Send those their way right now. And a huge thank you to all of you for joining today or listening to this later. Right now, guys, let's keep chatting this week. Head over to our Telegram and Discord channels. Please remember to join us tomorrow on Telegram at 8 a.m. Pacific for an AMA with Saga and a chance to win 300 AKT. If you have an idea for a project on Akash, join our grant program, watch Alani tell you more about Akash Accelerator on our YouTube channel and show him some love. Stick around and watch his info-packed, bite-sized three to five minute videos. Like and subscribe, guys. Also check out akash.network slash community and find out how you can spread the word about Akash and help the project grow by becoming an Akash Insider. Last, please join us next week, Wednesday, at 8 a.m. Pacific for our next Akash Weekly Spaces with Greg. Tap that set reminder button as soon as we post it this week. Thank you guys so much for joining today's event. Thanks again, Rebecca and Greg, for chatting with us. See you guys next Wednesday here wait, wait. with Greg. Be before yes, we, Greg. Before we leave, I have <laughs> So we, uh, a few things. Um, Number one, we uh, are talking about uh, Telegram. We are now verified a group, so uh, that should hopefully end the scammers. There, there are like lots of groups right now, posing to be Akash. There are groups even bigger, you know, set of memberships than Akash. Uh, so if you see any group that is, you know, uh, that claims to be Akash but does not have a blue check mark, you know automatically that's a scammer. So please report that uh, or let us know. And uh, also a reminder, we are hiring. So uh, uh, in our number one priority is engineering at this point. So senior software engineer is uh, something we are, we are looking for. Uh, I mean, a senior software engineer is really an L, 
L6 and L7 in a Google, like a staff engineer. So if you know anyone or you know know anyone that might be interested, drop their name. I can go talk to them and uh, you know take it from there. So we're also prioritizing our VP of marketing. Uh, it is a very uh, executive lo- level role. So this person is required to have experience uh, dealing with uh, developers, and you know hopefully has done. Uh, significant work in the past to uh, to give us enough confidence that they can attract new developers to the platform. So if you know anybody uh, that might be interested, please uh, ask them to apply. Uh, uh, the website again is akak.net uh, networks slash careers, and you'll see all the open roles there. So uh, that's uh, with that. I think we can wrap up this basis and see you next week at eight o'clock. Same time. Thanks so much, Greg. Thanks so much, Nadia. It was an absolute pleasure to spend some time with you this morning and and to your greater community as well. Uh, it's, just, it's, it's always great to see you guys, and thank you so much for having me on. Our Thanks pleasure. Much. Thank right. you. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Same time, same place. Bye, guys. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Akash Weekly with Greg Asuri, featuring Rebecca Lau from Saga, recorded on Wednesday, July 13th, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Waking up like a basement dweller. Stepped out the door and heard racist yelling. 2020, what an ugly shit show. Staring at the fucking rig roll from the get-go. Looking outside, the whole state's on fire. The fuck do you expect when you embrace the liars? And replace the writers with AI just like us. Emaciated models killing bright birds. First in, last out, picture me rolling. The worst time to cash out, so what you holding? The Merc's gonna cash cow country stolen. Drooling over chicken like the goose is golden. Trying to be so full, spitting that molten lava from the bottom of the caldera. I'm hot and gonna put it in a bottle and offer it to the god who hit the gas full throttle, blasting off in a rocket. There are many people who will, will see things happen to them that are in their favor. So someone's looking over me. That's a, that's a fascinating phenomenon when that happens. And what, when you analyze those situations, what you find is, is that we as humans simply have a profound inability to understand statistics and probability. Stitching these writings, living that life like Who would have guessed you turn out this nice, right? Avoiding stress, that's the motherfucking secret Print that shit on a motherfucking leaflet I'm just an asshole hooked on the bricks Looking at the rectangles, damn they kinda thick We've gone through a whole lot of kings here Cutting off heads just to bring cheer Getting all fired up, Tiger King, line them up When you'd give an arm and a leg just to try the junk On some first time buyer's luck Alexa, set a reminder and remind me to buy a bunch And put your hands up if you fuck this year And keep them in the air if you're picking up the spare And put your mask on just to go outside Looking at the planet about to downsize So climate change will not make Earth Basically, every other coastal city that we've spent thousands of years building uh, in the, since the dawn of civilization.
Yeah.